Our scripture lesson for today comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good things. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word today. Amen. So this might be a redundant statement for anybody he's, who's known me for more than a week. Uh, but for those of you who don't know me very well or might not know uh, this thing about me, um, I am a strong person. Uh, that, I thought that was going to get a laugh. <laughs> and you know, in first service, I almost argued about how I could out-bench press anybody at that service, but at this service, it might be more of a gamble because Will's here. Yeah. So... <laughs> So when I say I'm a strong person, it's not a value judgment, although arguably it could be. I mean, physically, I participate in a strength sport, and I enjoy, as my friends and I at the gym describe it, quote, picking up and putting down very heavy things. It, it is what it is. But there have been some times in my life where I have not felt very strong at all, not emotionally, not spiritually. And my personality doesn't make that a very pleasant experience for me. I'd venture to say that I share in a feeling that many, if not most of us, do in the fact that when we don't feel strong, we also then end up feeling so incredibly vulnerable. So I do want to offer just a, a little bit of a heads up for uh, the next few moments of my sharing. I, I want to share about the most meaningful experience of comfort that I've ever received, but in doing so, I need to share some of the details about my mother's death. So there will be nothing graphic, but I understand that talking about death in this tender and beautiful season is hard for some. And so tune out if you need to, or perhaps just take a minute to check in with your body and your spirit as I share. So while my mom had been sick for most of my childhood, her death for me uh, and our family, it, it came at us hard and fast. She was the recipient of not one but two kidney transplants. Neither went as planned, the second one leading us to the hardest decisions our family has ever had to make. 
Her life was being sustained at that point by the wonder and the terror of technology. And our family decided to rest for a night as she was hospitalized and call our family together to say our goodbyes to her the next morning and then end life-sustaining measures for her. The only sleep I got that night is when I had exhausted myself from crying. I trust a few of you know what that sleep is like. That next morning was truly terrible. And it was terrible in uh, all the ways that you could imagine, but also in one way that you might or might not have ever experienced. As our family waited in the ICU waiting room, we had been in and out of the hospital for a week at that point. And some of you have this experience, the hospital air is dry and you wash your hands 18 million times, it seems, and all the crying had made my hands so dry that they were chapped and near bleeding, and my poor nose, I still remember the feeling of having my nose so raw from all of the crying. And these were the days before texting, and so as I sat in the waiting room for my turn to go back and spend a few sacred moments with my mom, I heard my cell phone ring, it was the number of a friend, and I tearfully answered. And as soon as I answered the phone, she didn't ask. She informed. You have those friends, right, that don't ask. They inform. She informed me that she was standing out front of the hospital, and she demanded, along with another friend, to know what I needed. Well, the only thing I could muster in that moment is that I needed some good Kleenex and some hand cream. A few moments later, my friends Emily and Paul stepped into the ICU waiting room with a box of tissues, God bless it, with lotion in them. God bless the makers of Puffs Plus with lotion. And a really small tube of cocoa butter hand lotion. I felt so vulnerable in those moments, and when my exhaustion took the filter of self-protection away, I was comforted by not only the gifts, but the hearts of my dear friends who, while they didn't understand my pain, committed to supporting me through it regardless. Now, I am so thankful that my relationship with my mom, our lives up until that point, meant that those moments of saying goodbye didn't merit some big relational confessions or clearing of the air. The strength, the comfort that my friends gave me permeated that space. And as I said goodbye to my mother, I held her hand and I rubbed a little, little bit of cocoa butter into hers too. Comfort, to me, smells like cocoa butter. So I love that today's reading begins with a double imperative. Comfort, oh comfort. The Hebrew word for this is nokamu. This Hebrew word means being confident in full reconciliation. It means let nothing go unresolved between you. Now, with a very elementary knowledge of Latin, and by elementary, I mean ninth grade, because uh, God bless my French and Latin teacher in high school, but it just didn't stick. But I've got a little bit of knowledge with phrases like cum laude, you know, magna cum laude in graduation. And I have a robust adult hobby of keeping my musical brain working, so I know terms like forte. So if we think about the word comfort, 
cum forte, with strength. With strength. Now, I tend to, perhaps unfairly, keep strength and tenderness on opposite sides of the descriptive spectrum. But it really has kept me thinking this week that to comfort is to be with strength. With the verbs comfort and consolation being almost interchangeable for us, this understanding of comfort might enlighten a verse of a hymn that we have sung many times during the Advent season and will continue to sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. The phrase, it's beautiful to me now, Israel's strength and consolation. These two things go together, strength and consolation. In the context of the book of Isaiah, it is powerful that not just our reading today, but this whole section of the book begins this way. You see, prior to chapter 40 of Isaiah, the news given to the people in God's name are challenging words of judgment. The people have rebelled. They have put their own desires above the needs of others. And the words point forward to a time when Jerusalem would be destroyed. And indeed, in 587 BCE, Jerusalem fell to Babylon, and a portion of the population was exiled. To have the, the entire book of Isaiah as a whole is a bit challenging, but sometimes it is thought of as three separate works. And so chapter 40, today's part of our scripture lesson, marks the beginning of a new season in Isaiah, a new author, and a time where judgment is past. The people of Judah have been living in exile for over 40 years. That's long enough, if you think about it, to, the, to say that there are children, people within the community that don't remember what life before the exile was like. Isaiah the prophet here is receiving a new call. Now his first call, his commission from God is finished because Jerusalem did fall. But now the tide is turning. Something new is happening and we hear a voice speaking to Isaiah saying, in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight a desert, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The people who have been exiled far from home now have a highway to take them back. And God tells Isaiah to cry out. And then we hear Isaiah's response. What should I cry? What should I say? But if you're looking at the pages of your Bible or a Bible app, you will see that there are quotation marks in verse 6 that quote, what shall I cry? As if that's the only thing that Isaiah says. But since there are no quotation marks in Hebrew, what if our interpretation and our translation ends the quotation too early? What if this is more than asking what to say, but is more of an objection? In the prophet's first call, we hear him say, I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. This prophet has seen what has befallen the people, and it might feel a bit too far-fetched to talk about the dawning of a new day with hope and strength. God has made it pretty clear to them that the position the people are in is a situation of their own making. And so it makes sense for the prophet to say, seriously, you don't think that these people are going to listen to me if I start talking about hope. I have to admit similar feelings during this season of Advent. 
Just a passing glance around the world reminds us of the brokenness, the violence, the conflict that has exiled us today. I've heard it said that lament is the beginning of hope, but goodness, even that feels like a stretch. There are Christian churches who today, given the war in Ukraine, the conflict in and with Israel, and the violence in so many places of the world, are leaving the second Advent candle, the candle of peace, unlit. As Alan Combs writes, to speak tenderly, to announce something new into such brokenness seems to feel just a bit naive. The grass withers, the flower fades, violence continues, hunger continues, oppression continues, death continues. But what follows in verse 8, the word of our God will stand forever. God's word is constant, and Isaiah is being reminded that even in the midst of the judgment that he spoke, he also always spoke of a coming day of salvation, and it is time to speak the new word now. And so today, we lit our candle. Peter Bowler once told John Wesley, the founding preacher and theologian of our denomination, preach faith until you have it, and then because you have it, you will preach faith. So we will proclaim peace until we have it, and then because we have it, we will keep proclaiming it. This is why Advent is so important to us. We have to keep reminding ourselves that in the midst of this incredibly broken and hurting world, we have been given the good news. This season of waiting, this discipline means taking the time to search so desperately for hope. I've heard discipline defined as denying ourselves what we want now for the sake of waiting for what we want most. And if Advent tells us that we don't have to be wholly convinced that there's something good, some reconciliation on the other side, then we remain disciplined in our waiting for what we long for the most. Advent is a time to be comforted or to be with strength by God to anticipate the coming of Jesus. This is, after all, why Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the comforter. To get back to words and meetings, the Greek word for comforter is paraclete, which means to come to the side of. Someone beside you exists to strengthen you, to support you, to encourage you. So is it all starting to make sense now? Comfort is not a state devoid of anything that pains or inconveniences us. Comfort means with strength. And so I think peace can be defined as strength set in the context of relationship. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it means that conflict is resolved in dignity, in respect, and in mutual understanding. That call from God to the prophet Isaiah speaks to us today. Comfort, comfort my people. The commitment to exist in the strength of relationship is the beginning of peace. And we have to think of our role in peacemaking not as the mediators of any and all conflict, but instead to be committed to bringing strength to the individuals and the relationships that need reinforcing. And one of the ways that we do that is by sharing together, by living our life together, by studying the word, and by communing together 
And so today we do indeed commune together at the table of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And because Jesus Christ is our host at this table, all are welcome. You need not be a member of this church or of any. Simply desire to love Jesus more fully and to follow in the ways that lead to peace. And so today, as, uh, as we celebrate communion, we invite you to join us in our prayers. And when the time comes, the ushers will invite you to come forward. You'll receive a piece of bread. You'll eat the bread and take a cup of juice. Take the juice, and then you can dispose of your juice cup in the bowl. And then the baskets on the outside are to receive our Johansson Fund offering, which is a way that we bring peace into the world by providing for the needs of our neighbors when they come and ask us for assistance. And finally, if you do require gluten-free elements, please just indicate, and we would be glad to accommodate you in that request. But indeed, you are invited.